0: No purchase necessary void we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Are you ready to dive inside the coach's brain, you guys? Because you're gonna learn all about the specific exercises and needs that we need to make sure that we're checking off when we are strength training so that you get the most impactful movement in to cross-transfer into your injury-free running life. Um, we're also gonna debunk a few self-beliefs or thoughts that you might be having right now that are associated with strength training so that you feel equipped, you feel knowledgeable, and you feel ready to crush your next strength training workout. Welcome everyone to Run Girl Radio. I'm Holly Dickinson, founder of Excel Strength and Conditioning, where we coach and empower female runners just like you across the world, making you faster, more knowledgeable, and set for a lifetime of injury free running. Each week, I will be bringing you impactful information, creative solutions, and juicy running tips to get you one stride closer to your highest running self. Knowing that when curious and strong women are equipped with on-topic information and innovative solutions, there is no stopping us. Consider me your personal running coach in your back pocket. So join me and get ready to bust down some barriers, laugh at some running real talk, and get excited and energized as we have some fun finding our way together through this wonderful world of running. Welcome back everybody and I am pumped to be talking to you all about strength training specifics for you, for runners, for things that are actually going to be worth their time um, and things that that no one has probably told you that you need to know, right? We just need to know it and there aren't enough people teaching us this at a younger level or even younger competitive level Um, and it's something that I really want to dive in with you guys so that you feel empowered to choose the right postures, positions and know exactly how it's kind of crossing over and helping you in your running and in your performance. So without further ado, (laughs) let's dive through a a few topics of what maybe you um, haven't heard of before and then into some specific areas that I've laid out um, for you to focus on for your movement patterns when you're in the gym and when you're exercising. Because guys, I want to dive right in because we as runners spend more of our time doing the thing that we love, which is running. But we are maybe a little nervous or a little scared or just have never been shown or taught the right thing in the gym and it creates this, this big barrier for us, which shouldn't be there. But also, we need to be strengthening. We need to be strengthening so that we can run injury free forever. And if you're trying to get faster, adding strength training in is going to be that catalyst that you've been missing in your run training. So let's dive on in. I've got some pointers that I want to go over that might currently be limiting beliefs for you or things that you didn't realize actually are maybe blocking you from getting in some strength training. So let's through these bullet points and then we'll dive a little deeper into what patterns we should be challenging when we're strength training and what that looks like regarding exercise selection so let's dive on into a few pre-meditated pointers for you guys to just clear the air clear the room on what expectations look like regarding strength training or exercising in general to benefit our running number one carving out small but frequent pockets of time to move with purpose is better than one time a week going and doing a really long session of hard, hard strength training, lifting bars and hard, challenging things. We don't need that. We just need small pockets throughout the week where we do very specific movements um, that can add up and create a little bit more volume behind this shift that will give us the strength to translate into our running so let's just blow out of the water the fact that we need to go to the gym and we need to strength train and lift heavy and lift a lot um, and lift for a long period of time we don't we need very basic equipment it can be done at home and um, as long as we're getting that frequency in um, our body will adapt and will change for the better number two you don't have to sweat have an efficient strength session now this is one that i found a lot of runners have a hard time with because we run we run and we associate that as being our exercise and when we run we do sweat because it's aerobic but anaerobic movements or strength-based movements they are not necessarily gonna trigger us to be sweaty and Look red in the face like we do after a run. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're we're not getting and reaping any benefit from what we're doing. It's just different. And um, so permission that you do not have to sweat bucket loads like you potentially do for a really hard run or a hot day outside. A you're gonna be inside, and B, actually you're gonna have a lot more benefits if you're not sweating, um, from the types of movements that you're selecting because we don't want to be doing cardio-based exercise strengthening um, on top of your cardio that you're doing for your runs. We want to be doing strength training. So that's number two, you don't have to sweat to have an efficient strength session. (laughs) Number three, you do not need a gym pass. You can make different types of workouts very, very effectively at home. And in fact, more than 90% of our clientele make huge changes. To their running performance from their home gyms from their home workouts and when I say home gyms like a few of them have specific gyms in their homes <laughs> the rest of them it's mini bands it's long bands it's small dumbbells it's sandbags it's functional tools that we can actually even make at home and I, I have a DIY make your own at-home weights if you if you don't have um, dumbbells or kettlebells those are expensive and they're very specific but we can we can hand make our own load it's just load that's all we need to pick up and move around so you don't need a gym pass that's adding price it's adding time to your your day for you to get there it's also adding all those other barriers if we need to be around other people and we feel nervous that we don't look like we know what we're doing so completely take that back you can do these moves from home number four you won't bulk up like a crossfitter or like a male counterpart if you're a female listening to this. So a lot of people are nervous to strength train. Um, and it's just because we haven't bridged that gap of education that actually, when we lift, when we strength train and resistance train, we, we aren't going to bulk up the same way. Um, unless, and actually, I would be very impressed if you, if you did, because <laughs> um, it's one of those things that you have to work out with heavy load very frequently and I'm talking like two workouts a day or more and be adding in a lot of additional stuff. Lots of added protein and carbs, we just need to be loading you in all sorts of facets. Um, but testosterone, more so for talking about the ladies with this one. Testosterone, or more so the lack thereof of this is the main reason that we won't get bulky from lifting weights. Testosterone is a natural anabolic steroid or growth kind of steroid, um, that naturally occurs, um, and can be taken too, which directly stimulates muscle growth. Um, so on an average, us as women, we only have like a seventh of the amount of testosterone as a man. Um, and also most of us aren't in the phase, if you're listening to this, most of us aren't still in the phase where we are growing. Um, so we're going and we have lots of growth hormones going through our body. So you don't need to worry about bulking and feeling like your weight, your weight and your muscles are all just going to, bury you down in your next long run. Um, the, the exercises I'll suggest and the movements that I'm going to explain are going to be very much so helping you with your body composition, if anything. Okay, awesome. So let's dive on, on on what you need to keep your eyes on. So I hope that that kind of helps with a few of the barriers and maybe some of the self-talk that we've had encompassing strength training in the past as a runner. And now let's dive into some of the things we want to be thinking about. When we're talking about specific movements and why we're choosing specific movements and there's lots of stuff that we can talk about regarding um what exercise selection you should be doing for your own individual body but we are going to be and and again this is not overriding anything your physio has told you or a chiropractor or any other medical health professional um, because our bodies are all different We've all gone through different stuff. We all may have different um, injuries that have happened in the past that might be counterintuitive to some of this information. But if anything, this is going to be great information that you can just add on what your physio is telling you and add on what other recommendations are are coming your way based on your own physiology. So I want you to think about running through every single one of these movement patterns and I'll, I'll explain, you know, the gait analysis and what our challenges are with running, but we really do need to think about the overview of what running is challenging to with our body. What running actually, that, that was put the wrong way. What challenges are put on the body when we run? That's what I'm trying to say. So thinking first off, usually when I take any athlete, especially a runner, We think about the injuries that can happen in the sport or in the activity that you're doing. What are the most common injuries for running? Running a lot of lower body, basically from the waist down is where we're seeing any sort of injury potential. So really adding a larger emphasis on the lower half of the body um, is gonna be huge. But let us focus first on posterior chain. Has anyone ever heard of posterior chain? Posterior, we think of... Backside backside of our body so posterior chain are all the the muscles on the posterior side of your body your lats your back your glutes um Your hamstrings your calves and when we talk about your calves that's bracketing in the gastroc and the soleus Which is the lowest one down now when we think posterior chain the reason we want to emphasize this specifically for females is because most of us as females are quad dominant and if you've never heard of that before Basically, it means the overusing of your quads and hip flexors or iliopsoas um, during movements in daily life and exercise versus using our quads and hamstrings or the front and the back side of our legs in equal um, tandem. So, it's often defined as overly strong quads and hip flexors and weak in the glutes and the hamstrings and the muscles on the back side of your legs. So, with that in mind, We must think about engaging and activating the posterior chain more, especially as females and especially as runners. We need to be thinking about turning on or activating and strengthening the posterior side of our body more than the front. Now that bleeds into our next piece of the pie, which is triple extension. So when we think about triple extension, if you've never heard of that before, it does happen more so in power sports or um power lifts or quick lifts where you are extending the hip knee and ankle joints triple extension those three um so taking the posterior chain into account but also thinking of how the gait and the toe off happens with our running form think of when we toe off when we step to the next stride and that back leg is just about to leave the ground boom we're having triple extension we're fully extended at the hip the knee and now at that ankle through dorsiflexion or plantar flexion. Okay. Now let me ask you this, what exercises would be challenging the posterior chain if we were to challenge it through strength training? It would be, again, those muscle patterns. So think of how we challenge our hamstrings. We could do some stiff legged deadlift. We could do single leg deadlift. We could do some bridging to activate the glutes, maybe with a mini band on for the glute meads. We'll talk a bit more about the glute meds in a minute. We could do hamstring curl. If we are at a gym, we can do movements that are on machines, but they're a bit more isometric and just targeting one muscle at a time. When we can do more compound movements, which are multi-joint movements, um, that will incorporate more muscles. So yes, a, a glute bridge would be activating the glutes, but. You're also going to get some quad in there as well as hamstring. Um, so thinking about that, now let's go back to triple extension. How can we make those movements full triple extension? Because <laughs> some of those like the deadlift or the hinge at the hips with low load, coming back up to the top, we're, we're only really getting extension at the hips and the knees, not at the ankles, not that third extension. So we could go into a toe raise or a heel raise and lift our heels up, we could even do, like when we're doing single leg step ups, when we're squeezing the glutes at the top, we can raise again into that toe. So again, it's getting that plantar flexion, flexion right at the end of the movement um, is gonna make it kind of a triple extension version of the move. Triple extension also, nice easy way to think of it, is anytime you're jumping. Anytime you jump, that's when we are fully triple extending. So think of any movement but sped up with less load can be kind of a plyometric movement. That is where um, triple extension would come in here as well. Beautiful. Okay, moving swiftly on. You guys get it. Posterior chain, triple extension. Now, if we dive specifically into one topic, which I love to talk about with my, my runners, especially female runners, is glute med, um, gluteus medius. Um, so this muscle is kind of just, if you were to think of your hip bones, on the back side they're kind of like little rainbows from your sacrum For just underneath those little rainbows is where your gluten medius is okay on either side um this muscle stab- stabilizes your pelvis whilst you perform single leg movements like taking a step forwards when you run and studies have shown that your gluteus medius produces the most peak muscle force out of all of your hip muscles when you run wild so thinking about that muscle specifically it helps with absorbing force of the ground when you push back against your leg as your foot does hit the ground so it's really big on that stabilizing Um, it prevents your knee from adducting or collapsing inwards while you run and it absorbs the force of landing and it steadies your pelvis and keeps your trunk level um, so if for those of you that I've done run analyses on or that have done it yourselves and you kind of see that when you sink into one hip and then sink into the other when that foot hits the ground, um, that's that's where the glute med comes in. Another big factor towards this kind of glute med thought is our cue angle and I've made posts on this before and spoken to the Q angle before. But basically, the Q angle is if we were to draw a line straight through the middle of our kneecap, so a vertical line, and then if we were to draw a second line straight down the middle of our femur, our thigh, and that angle that it intercepts at usually is greater for women because we have childbearing hips and our hips are wider than men's, and that means that that angle is just a bit more aggressive. Um, and they've studies have shown that the wider that angle is, the more likely to injure your knee. Um, because of this. But the glute med has a big piece to play with that um, because it helps push the hips forwards and rotate the legs outwards and stabilize the pelvis. So anyway, there've been several studies that have found that the correlation between weak glutes and certain running related injuries are are quite high, including patellofemoral pain syndrome or runner's knee that you've probably heard about um, and IT band syndrome. So those glutes, are important. (laughs) So how can we challenge the glutes? Well, the glutes in general help us extend at the hips. So any movement from if you were to stand straight up tall and still extending that leg backwards, you would turn on your glute or your butt cheek. Okay. Glute med is more so when we are going out towards the side. Very tempting though, when we are activating glute med is that we kind of come forward. So you've probably seen where you got those mini bands around your thighs and you're going from side to side. Very often we will compensate and we'll hinge forwards in the hips and we'll really start to activate the hip flexor. So it's it's good to kind of be up in that upright position and be doing speed skaters so you can jump from side to side with one of those mini bands or extending that leg down and back with a band or a cable machine attached in front of you from that knee up in like a tucked position or a running position that knee coming forwards to coming down through and slightly back to squeeze that glute Um, hip bridges are another great one Um, also hip thrusts are a big one too where you can use any sort of load and weight it doesn't have to be a barbell and again glutes are going to be involved in these compound or bigger generic lower body movements that you will be doing. Just a big focus on whenever you return back up to a standing tall position, think about squeezing them. Okay? So that goes for squats. When you get back up to the top of that rep, squeeze the bum, fully extend the hips. Because if we're just coming back up and keeping a little micro bend in those hips, the, the glutes aren't getting their full um or our hips aren't getting that full extension. And so our glutes aren't getting that maximum capacity of being engaged during that exercise. So big focus on that. Let's move on to the next piece that I want you to really grasp for some strength training that you're gonna want to involve for your running body. It is unilateral patterns. So unilateral is one-sided or split stance is also something that's kind of talked about quite often. It's basically any movement that is done one-legged or that you'd have to repeat on the other side to make sure it was an even exercise is a nice way to think about it. So a squat would be a bilateral or a two-sided equal movement and something like a lunge would be a unilateral pattern. Um, Why do we wanna do these as runners? Well, running is a single-legged sport. That's what differentiates it from walking is we only have one foot on the ground at a time. So really important to be kind of mimicking the movements that we do when we're running in a loaded manner. So doing lunges, doing single leg squats or pistols or assisted single leg squats or sit to stands, they're sometimes called. Um, You can also do single leg step ups or knee drives. Again, thinking about our posterior chain like we were just talking about, we can do hip bridges just with one leg um, or one leg crossed over. We can think about challenging our hamstrings with swiss ball curls where we're in a bridge and we're curling our heels towards our bum which is very challenging just to do with two feet um, and a great hamstring challenger but to do it with one foot you could also just challenge the lowering phase of that strengthening movement so you can curl up with both feet raise one off the ball and slowly lower and extend that leg back out straight and then curl up again with both feet Another great thing with single leg exercises is that we get the stabilizers going in the lower extremities which is something that you know as runners we need to engage for if we're trail runners um, for long long runs so that we can make sure that we are um, getting those muscles working and challenged when we're not just in that last piece of our marathon or our ultra. Um, and that when we're going downhill, our ankles can monitor themselves with their strength but also all of those little intrinsic muscles are also a part of the gang that are holding up your body (laughs) Um, Another great thing too about single leg exercises or single limbed exercises is that we're actually stronger cumulatively with that one-sided exercise than we would be with the double-sided version so for example, if you were to do a single arm chest press um, and then you were to do a you know, bench press where both arms are on the same big weight and you're pressing up through the same pattern, we actually can do more weight with the one arm. And if we times that by two, so say you were doing 50 pounds per hand doing single arm chest press and then we were to put weight on a bar, you probably couldn't do 100 you would be just less than that so very wicked that our bodies neurologically can do more work and more load independently than they can together i know that's not like i hope that makes sense um <laughs> but basically our bodies are smarter than we think and we're still studying how some of these phenomenons are possible um because there's even a phenomenon which is called cross-education where If you, say, had broken your left arm and you were out for, like, a couple months, not being able to strength train it, which is probably not true. You could probably strength train it sooner than that, depending. But um, if you were to strength train your other hand or your other arm, saying doing bicep curls, there is this neurological cross-education that happens where your other side gains strength, even though you haven't been strength training it. Wild! So, yes, single-legged exercises or single-sided movements are super beneficial in so many ways. They allow you to train muscles, even when they're injured, to improve your athletic performance because there's so many stabilizers happening and just way more muscles involved. Um, and they help you develop that mind-muscle connection, um, lift more weight. Oh my God, that, it's endless. So single-sided exercises will be your friend is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so include those in your programs um, and your home workouts. Okay, the next one we want to dive into is the oblique sling. So a lot of people ask me, okay, what about, what about core for runners? What do I need to be thinking about? What do I need to be doing? And simply put, we need to be activating our core, but we need to be activating our whole core and not just what we all think about when we think of core. This six pack, we need to be doing the whole TVA or transverse abdominus, which is basically our whole midsection. Think of your torso. If it was a pop can, the whole outside of that can has advertising on it. We need to be strengthening the whole outside of your torso and of your core in general. Um, so this is the transverse abdominus, and that includes muscles on the front, muscles on the back, muscles on the side. Um, but when we dive into one specific one that I like to to talk about, um, which is the oblique sling. And this is more so kind of a chain that I want you to think about when you are doing other movements or combining certain strength movements in the gym or at home when you're strengthening. So the oblique sling is, there's, there's an anterior sling and there's a posterior sling. I want you to envision wearing a sash <laughs> or, or the ones you see on like, you know, Miss America or In bridal parties where it's like, I'm gonna get married and the bride's wearing the, you know, the sash that's over their shoulder and down towards the hip on the other side. Now the anterior sling is on the front side of the body and includes the obliques, um, internal and external, and the contralateral or the other side of the body's adductors. So that's the inside of the thigh, the muscle that brings the leg in towards the midline of the body. And the posterior oblique sling is the lats, the thoracolumbar fascia and the glute max that's on the opposite side of the body to where that lat is that we were just talking about. So those are kind of the slings and that's how you can just think of it as the nice little sash going around the body. And it's vital, it's vital you guys, that the posterior and the anterior muscle slings of the body are harmoniously um, functioning to allow movement, to happen properly and prevent injury, Um, especially if we're doing something like running, which is single-sided and is challenging that sling all the time. (laughs) Um, So how can we do that? How can we simulate that? How can we do it on a smaller level in the gym or at home when we're strength training? Doing movements that ask the opposite sides or the contralateral, that word I was talking about, contralateral sides of the body through movement. So that can be dead bugs, that can be bird dogs, if you haven't heard of those before, go look them up. There's many progressions and regressions um, that will you'll find one that fits you. You can do some bracing patterns, so some anti-rotational movements that you can do in a split stance posture, so one leg forwards, one leg back, um, and this is basically bracing, so that you're asking isometrically those slings to be doing some work. Um, then you would progress to some rotational patterns, so some rotating through those slings or the shoulders coming down kind of towards that opposite um hip so you would actually be flexing and rotating through the spine and extending slightly and rotating as well this could be with a chopping pattern um with a band or a cable or just a weight um and yes you can progress these and you can mash them up as i like to say it's, they like to say it in jamaica mash up you can mash up these exercises um, with lower body movements too, you can add a knee drive in and rotate as you're doing a chop. You can get really creative with these and this is honestly what I love to do the most is create fun ways to move and challenge our strength training in the gym so that we're not wasting time but we're doing what we love to do and staying injury-free doing it. The running portion. <laughs> Um, But that's the art to the science of what we do at Excel is making the exercises dynamic, compound, um, focused on what you need so that you are not putting hours and hours into the gym multiple days a week. You are getting these short bursts of really impactful movements that will cross-transfer into your running and into your injury-free world. So with that said and done, I am excited to hear all the exercises that you wanna do in the gym or at home. Message me, message me if you have any questions or thoughts on this, um, at Excel Strength Conditioning on Instagram. You can find that below in the show notes, but know that I'm always here to cheer you guys on and I love a good combo in the DMs. (laughs) So hit me up, I'm here to help. Um, And next week, we'll be coming in hot with the injury-free runner's sacred sauce. You're not going to want to miss it because I'm talking all about mobility and stability and how we should be looking at it differently and how you can look at your whole body as a running performance body differently when we are talking about the joint-by-joint approach. So I'll catch you on the flip side. Can't wait.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?